and we are the church, and we are resilient. And along those lines, I want to draw your attention to our scriptures today. Acts 5, verses 21 through 33. And it reads this way. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, They called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. At that, the captain went with the officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given so to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Such is our life and our lot as Christians, and in many parts of the world, That's the way it continues to play itself out. Competing spirits. You'll be happy to know that I only have two points today. But I'm going to take advantage of both of them. There are only, when you say competing spirits, there's only two spiritual forces at work in the world today. There There is the spirit of error, which is presented to us, by none other than the adversary of God, Satan. There is the spirit of truth, which has been presented to us by God the Father through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And so those two spirits are in competition with each other, and in the public or private arena, they continue to compete for somebody else's attention. Well, this spirit of error. I want to just give you... a a background where we left it off last week. There where Peter and John had been arrested for the second time, taken to the public jail, put in the jail cell, locked up with the expectation that tomorrow morning, bright and early, when we have the full Sanhedrin, all 70 leaders, elders of the uh, Jewish people, in their legislative council, if you will, these 70 leaders would convene 
the Sanhedrin, and they would try again Peter and John. Well, it's exciting what you see here, this spirit of error. The Bible says that as the guard came to the jail cell to escort Peter and John to the Sanhedrin that next morning, they were gone. Of course, the angel had appeared to them during the night and opened the doors, somehow had uh, neutralized the prisoner, prison guards, and had told them one thing, one command. He didn't tell them to flee Jerusalem, which is what you and I probably would have done. Give me a chance to get out of here. Second time I've done this. And he did not tell him, tell them to leave Jerusalem. He didn't tell them to go to a safe house. He didn't tell them to get their weapons and start fighting. He didn't tell them to, to get the uh, disciples who were supporting him to be up in arms. He said simply this, Go to the temple and proclaim the full message of this new life. That's what we want you to do. So what do you think our message is today? Just that. But there are competing spirits out there today, and they are competing with our hearts and minds and the minds and hearts of those with whom we come in contact. This spirit of error is exemplified in three ways. First of all, through animosity. You see, this is the world versus the church. This is not planet earth. This is the world, mankind, and and the prince of this world, Satan, who is at odds, at enmity with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And he and his minions, his demonic forces, and all of those that would prefer not to hear anything about Christianity would not like to see a spotlight cast on their uh, wickedness or their sins or their evils or their misdeeds, however you want to phrase it. These are people that would prefer not to hear the full truth, the full gospel, the full message of this new life. That animosity, you see it in verse 17. The Bible says that the high priest and his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. And why were they jealous? They were jealous because Peter and John had a a huge following. At this particular time, there must have been some 15,000 believers just in Jerusalem. Not counting those who would leave Pentecost and go to their nations around the Mediterranean that had traveled that far, not only for the Passover, but stayed for the Pentecost. And here they were going back home and en route they would tell people the things that they had seen and heard. Those who had become believers would carry that gospel message and it would explode throughout the Mediterranean region. They were jealous. They were jealous that their authority was being questioned. They were jealous that their religious practices were being questioned. They were jealous that their uh, faith and practice was being questioned. And the people, all they heard about was Jesus. Let's just follow Jesus. How simple is that, people? But it does make a lot of folks jealous. Because any time that you are in a movement, especially the Christian movement, that is 
finding more and more followers, bringing them away from government or religious rulers, there's going to be animosity. And it's going to be fueled by their own jealousy. Secondly, there is force. Look at verse 18, simply says, they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. Well, they could not shut up the, the disciples, so they decided to try to shut them down. And they tried to shut them up in jail to do so. And so we have force that's being exerted against the Christian movement today. That's true worldwide. And it's becoming more and more true here. Your voice as a believer is being shouted down by those who would not prescribe to your faith and practice. And then thirdly, there's that fear. There's just fear. Verse 24 and 26, if you will. 24, on here in this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. And then in verse 26, they did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. This word in the Greek for force, by the way, is only used four times in the New Testament. And this word for force literally means punishment or something severe. Uh, they, I'm sure the temple guard went to the Peter and John and said, you know, you have been invited to appear before the Sanhedrin. Would you mind coming with us? And I'm sure Peter and John, knowing that the previous time they were able to give testimony to Jesus Christ, probably said, well, we'd be glad to. Sure we'd go. Well, their growth, the popularity, the miracles attributed to these followers of Jesus terrified them. There's going to be something in your life, there should be something in our lives that terrifies other people who do not know Christ, who have held Jesus in derision, and yet they cannot overcome the things that had transpired in your life or in the lives of those that claim Jesus. I want to bring you back again to chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. When they were praying together corporately as a body of believers, they prayed, Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They prayed for this. They prayed for miraculous signs and wonders, and it was granted to them. If they were faithful and and promoting and projecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you see, whenever truth is presented, evil forces will resist it, and they will resist it with violence. You see any of that on the landscape of America today? Whenever truth is presented, evil forces are going to resist it, and they're going to resist it with violence. If you hate the message... Just kill the messenger. Isn't that what they did to Jesus? Hated the message. The messenger's got to go. I want you to see, you notice that the Sanhedrin can't even mention the name of Jesus. They said they want him to stop speaking about this person and this name. Don't do it. But speaking the name of Jesus was more than they could handle. And so they killed the message they thought, by killing the messenger a few months earlier. 
And now they're thinking, we've got to eliminate Peter and John. It's the same message. We've got to destroy the messenger. So there, the spirit of error is going to come at you through its animosity, born about by jealousy or whatever the case might be, by force and by fear. But I want you to look at the other side of this story, the, the spirit of truth. Look at verse 29. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The spirit of truth is marked by at least three or four characteristics. First of all, there's courage. And allow me to wade into some waters here that I have no problem wading into, but I haven't been real public about it. We obey God rather than men. You need to understand that in your heart and soul. This nation has been on a very slippery slope for the past few uh, decades where the government has actually made some suggestions or edicts and the church has bought into it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because Jesus Christ is the head of the church. If the church is the body of Christ, the church must necessarily give its allegiance to the head. The head is not the government. I don't care what nation you're in. It doesn't matter whether you're in the United States, Russia, Brazil. I don't really care. The same thing holds true. Obey God rather than men. Jesus Christ is the one true head of the church. God has not granted government rulers authority over the doctrine, the practice, or the polity of the church. Jesus put it this way. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, but to God the things that are God's. Now, under no circumstances, at any time, would Jesus ever render to Caesar the things that are God's. You need to understand that. There are two different realms here. God did ordain government authority, but God ordained the church. Caesar has the government authority. God, through Jesus Christ, has the church. John Stott put it this way, theologian. If the authority concerned misuses its God-given powers to command what God forbids or forbids what God commands, then the Christian duty is to disobey the human authority in order to obey God. I am not a radical. I don't consider myself one. But I, I do know when the depths of my soul, in the depths of my soul, I would rather please the Lord and be judged by the world than to please the world and be judged by God. Amen. Over the years, people have asked me the same question. Things have come down. You've seen it. You believe in the sanctity of life? Absolutely. And I will do everything I can to support that tenet of, of belief. You believe? Yeah, what would you do in, in preaching the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman, male, female, for life, if the government authorities told you that, that somebody is taking issue with that and they're going to shut you down? which they have tried to do in certain quarters. I said, they'd just try to shut me down. But the, the, but the truth has got to go out. You and I must have the courage to proclaim it, whatever it is. 
What about now in this, in this great post-Christian era, they term it, that we believe, they say, that all roads lead to God. I mean, whatever way you want to go, that's your, that's your karma. That's your way. That's your yoga, as the Hindus would call it. Not so much. There's only one way to God, and it's only through Jesus Christ, and that's what we're proclaiming. This is what the angel was telling Peter. Go and preach the full message of this new life. So, if the authority concern misuses its God-given powers to command what God forbids or forbids what God commands, then the Christian duty is to disobey the human authority in order to obey God. It's Jesus first. You and I comprise the body of Christ. We do only what the head tells us to do. The head is not man. It is Jesus Christ, period. I, I tell you what, I am just, I have been nauseated over some of the denominational leaders that, uh, of different denominations throughout America and throughout this world who, are, who have absolutely watered down the gospel to the extent that I don't even recognize it anymore. And some of these, now we, we are an autonomous group, folks. We do what we feel the Lord calling us to do. We don't take orders from anybody else. You're listening to this broadcast. There's not another denominational structure. There's no uh, other church. There's no other people that tell us what to do. We make that decision here. That's called the autonomy of the church. We're the ones under the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ that make those decisions. Hear me carefully. When it comes down between Government authority or Christ authority, it's a no-brainer for me, folks. It's a no-brainer. All right? I'm never going to face this government in judgment one day for all eternity. But they will. They will. And there should be clarity. Not only should there be courage, there should be clarity. Verses 30 through 32. Notice that what, it, what Peter and said. Uh, Peter and John said, the God of our fathers, the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead. Here's your gospel elements. We believe in God the Father. We believe in His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus was given to us by the Father. We believe that He was crucified. And he looks at the, Peter looks at the Sanhedrin and he says, and you folks were the ones that gave orders to do that. Do you realize that you crucified the Messiah, the Savior of the world? And he, he says that whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Then God exalted him to his right hand, which is the seat of power and authority as what? Prince and Savior. That word prince has also been translated as pioneer, as leader. Let me tell you what it's, that, that word in the Hebrew is close to. There is, there is a sailor on ships in those days that was the strongest swimmer of the crew. And as the strongest swimmer of the crew, he was designated by the captain of the ship to be the one that in the event that the ship could not make it to the shore because of rocks or because of of reefs or sandbars, this man would have a rope tied around his waist and he would swim to the shore and affix that rope to something permanent, such as a rock, something substantial, 
so that the rest of the crew could use that rope as a guide to make their way to shore. Now you see that image with Jesus as our Savior? That's who He is. He's already preceded us in that shoreline that awaits us one day when that last breath leaves our body. And so as He precedes us, He's got that lifeline out. And what's that lifeline? It's by faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that is how we find our way home. To the shore. And so, Jesus Christ is Prince and Savior that He might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. That's the only way you can find them is through Jesus Christ. And then we are witnesses of these things. He, he continues on. He says, the Holy Spirit. There's the Reference to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But thirdly, you've got to have confidence. Verse 32 says, we are witnesses of these things. Some of you are sitting here today or listening to this broadcast and you're thinking, now, I don't feel comfortable in witnessing the people. I've seen men and women that, that are real comfortable. Man, they can lay out the scriptural admonitions. They can go through the plan of salvation just... Uh, without even thinking about it hardly. And yet I don't feel capable of doing that. What are you a witness to? What was Peter and John witness to? Jesus showed himself alive after the resurrection after by many infallible proofs, Acts 1 says. For 40 days, they witnessed the resurrected Jesus. They witnessed the miracles while they walked with him. They saw the healing. They heard the teachings. They witnessed the life of Jesus. Perfect. And what you witness, you witness how Jesus has come into your life, what He has done in your life, how He has, he has begun to, to transform you from inside out, not from the outside in, so that you are a different person. We are in Christ. We are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we recognize the fact that we witness to these things. We've seen how God has worked in other people's lives. I can't tell you the number of people that I've seen trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and seen the transformation over the years work in those particular individuals. My own life is is the same way. I've seen how Jesus has transformed my life, my perception, my opinion, how He has worked in my life to do the things that bring Him the glory, and I'm so glad He does. I love glorifying Him. You want to know what it's going to be like in eternity? That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be praising Him, thanking Him, glorifying Him, singing praises because He's got the most phenomenal place reserved for those of us that love Him. And this confidence, we are witness of these things. We speak the Word and, and we let the Lord wage the battles. Peter and John, don't take up, a, don't take up arms or weapons or anything to fight this opposition just preach the word that's what the angel told him to just preach the word give testimony to the full message of this new life then let me take care of it you don't have to worry about this i'll take care of it don't worry about their response don't worry about their reaction jesus had the parable of the sower the parable of the sower has four elements to it there's the one who sows the seed There's the seed, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is the soil. Now, when you're looking at these things, the sower, 
the seed, the soil. And then there's that response, or not. We're not responsible for the soil, folks. The soil are the people that hear what you have to say. Watch your lifestyle. Observe you in action, if you will. And begin to either turn their hearts and lives and minds over to Jesus Christ or not. Let the Lord fight your battle. That's what he told Joshua. I'll fight out there for you. I'm out there working on my behalf through you. Just be faithful in proclaiming the full message of life. That's all I'm asking, Jesus is saying. And he says, and the Holy Spirit has given to those who obey him, those who have, have responded to his call to come to Jesus Christ in faith. And the Holy Spirit continues to work in us. He tells us when there's, our, there's that teachable moment. He tells us when it's the good time because timing is everything in life. You know, there are times where you want to tell somebody about Jesus Christ and you realize this is not a good time. They're in a bad frame of mind. The soil's not prepared. The Holy Spirit's telling you all of this. But when time is right, I want to be right there to talk to that individual, that son, that daughter, that grandson, that granddaughter about Jesus Christ. I want to be there. And then what happened? We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. There was a little situation. I'll never forget, Mary Jo and I laugh about it, in Ukraine, and this is a good time to talk about it. We had two teams in Ukraine. I was in charge of a team that went to their uh, camps, their orphanage camps. There was 120 kids out there at their orphanage camp, and we were working with them in Bible study and crafts and games and all this other stuff. Then there was another team that went to a village. <laughs> and Mary Jo went with the other team that went to the village. There was a Ukrainian pastor that went with them. We had a missionary friend of ours that went with them to do interpretations and so forth. And as they were witnessing in these high-rise apartments on, in the ground, uh, they were really seeing a number of kids and people uh, attentive to their gospel presentation. To which the mayor of the town confronted them. Says, you will leave this village. You will stop doing what you're doing or you will go to jail. Well, at night, every night, the two teams came together for dinner and we began to rehash what the day had done and start planning for the next day. I can remember when, I, when, we, when our van drove up and people came up and met us and said, uh, what kind of clothes do you think Mary Jo ought to be wearing in jail? I said, uh, what did she do? And then they began to tell us and they were laughing about it. Well, the Ukrainian pastor who was a black belt in karate and uh, was taking no prisoners, <laughs> quite frankly, he told the mayor, he said, you know what? We can preach just as easily in jail as we can out here. Yeah. To which the missionary said, now wait a minute. Can we talk? <laughs> you know? And there was no talking. She said, if you continue preaching, we will confiscate all of your passports and give them to you only when you board that plane to leave this country. Hmm. So anyway, they went to another village the next day. And it was very successful. But 
it's that situation where from time to time you're confronted with the reality that so many people in our world are confronted with. There's that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment where you are confronted with the possibility of either being thrown out of your club, your association, your, your fellowship with other believers because of what you believe and what you're talking about, or there's a situation where it really gets serious where somebody confronts you. You confront somebody who is anti-Jesus Christ and there's that hostility that forms and they want to eliminate you from life sometimes. We have people in China. We have people in Muslim countries. We have people in other religious uh, communities that have that, that uh, element of militancy about them that want to shut down the Word of God through Jesus Christ. What would you do? Would you have the courage? Would you be like Peter and John? We must obey God rather than men. Hey, you know, we're not that far from eternity right now. We're a heartbeat away. And we want to know that when we step into eternity and Jesus looks at us, Will he say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or not? Well, you're here this morning. You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to do that. You're listening on, on this broadcast, and you've, you've thought about Jesus. This time of coronavirus has put you into a time of, of uh, questioning your own lifestyle. Things that you thought were so important and all of a sudden are not as important anymore. But spiritual matters have become priority. Do you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you don't, simply ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to come into your heart, and to make you the person that He wants you to be. And then when that happens, you'll need a church home. You'll want to be baptized by immersion to show your public profession of faith, to be obedient to the Lord. Not to man, but to the Lord. And then become a member of a good church family. If you're here this morning or if you're listening to this broadcast and would like to know how to become a member of this church, I'll be more than happy to talk to you about that. Here this morning or give me a call. I'm easy to find. Just let me know. And for all of us, this dedication is a time. I'll be here at the end of the service at the front to pray with you about whatever decision the Lord has laid on your heart. Right now, on the first Sunday of each month, we set it aside to honor the Lord Jesus Christ through the elements of the Lord's Supper, the bread, the wine, the juice. And today is the first Sunday of August. So those of you that are in our broadcast audience, just please get your elements, your two elements with you. And for those of us here, the Bible says to prepare your hearts and minds to make sure that we're worthy to receive these elements. So just take a couple of minutes and listen to this video, if you will.
Bible says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. And so now I'm going to ask Bob if you would lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, precious Jesus, as we prepare to take of the Lord's Supper in the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, may we search our hearts and minds in such a way that we repent of our sins, then participate with joy and gladness. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. The Bible says that, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. Brother Wayman. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the blood he spilled for us. Lord, make us worthy to take this cup. In Jesus' name. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The Bible continues to say, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Stand with me for prayer, if you will. And I'll be here at the front to pray with any of you about any decision that the Lord is leading you. Father, we just pray today. Use us for your glory. Lord, when we think of Peter and John and what they are willing to do to sacrifice their lives for you. Father, we understand that we are asked to be a living sacrifice for you, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service. So Lord, as we have observed your sacrifice for us, may we fully embrace our sacrifice for you, whatever that may entail. Thank you, Lord, for what you're accomplishing here. Be with us that we may bring you honor and glory in the days yet to come. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you, keep you, every one of you. God bless.